0: There are moments in life that you'll never forget. Memories you'll pass on to your children and they'll pass on to theirs. They'll be talked about when friends come together as myth, lore, and legend. These are Tales from the Tailgate. All right guys, welcome back. This is Steve from the Outdoor Drive Podcast, and as always, I am joined by Trev. Trev, how are you, buddy?
1: What's going on, Steve, man? What another great episode. Looking really forward to it. We got a good buddy of ours, Seth Hager from from Arkansas, man. Wow. What's going on, buddy?
2: How's it going, guys?
0: It's rolling yeah, along, man.
1: man. So man, so you kinda you killed a real good buck this year and in Arkansas of all places, man. It's not really one of the states that's kinda really talked about, huh?
2: man it's a it's a sleeper state uh i've been fortunate enough to take a couple of really really nice deer over the last few years and been uh fortunate enough to chase some absolute freaks unfortunately I wasn't able to capitalize on them uh, might have gotten more publicity if i would have put my hands on those deer but yeah man it's a it's a sleeper state um we got a lot of bottoms we've got a lot of agriculture we grow deer just like missouri kansas um some spots in alabama um Kentucky, we, we've got a lot of areas um, they are, are more concentrated areas. It's not, you know, every county's producing um, high, high caliber deer, but there are quite a few areas in the Delta and Central, and, and we do have some in the Ozarks. I've, I've hunted Central Arkansas, South Arkansas, all the up to Northwest Arkansas on the Missouri border and been fortunate enough to find some really nice mature deer in, in all those areas
1: do you think it's just overlooked because of the waterfowl season down there
2: (laughs) definitely overlooked uh but just uh, the the tradition the heritage everybody you know traveled down south arkansas growing up you know hunting big camps a lot of pine pine plantations and deer just don't grow very big on pine cones uh and then you know as the the waterfowl started to grow really grow in the last 20 years or so a lot of land has been locked off and and landlocked and and they don't allow much deer hunting if any at all just because of you know it's in the heat of waterfowl season so all your areas with agricultural ground and big uh, big big swamps and cattail marshes and and you've got your pinch points and stuff in between you know large open areas that, that narrow down some of the river bottoms it's kind of limited the, the accessibility um for that now, we've got tons of public land. I've, I've killed a couple really nice public land deer, and, and I've chased some absolute giants, and I've got buddies that, that continually kill really nice deer on Cache, uh, which is a national wildlife refuge here. Uh, it pretty much covers the whole n- northern half all the way down to central uh, part of, of the state. It runs a long ways, and there's a couple million acres worth of it.
1: That's wild, man. I never thought of Arkansas as a state. When me and Stephen were talking about it before the show, I was like, "Wow, it's
2: Arkansas. That's <laughs> yeah, you crazy." Usually you usually think, think
0: ducks, waterfowl. Yeah,
2: most definitely, that's what we're known for for sure. I, and 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 hopefully, it stays a sleeper state because <laughs> there's a, there's a lot lot of lot of big deer. Definitely worth the the adventure, especially early season. You know, we do get a lot of flooding and stuff, so it might um, help or hurt some zones. Shut down and stuff. far as public land goes, uh, you know, later into the into the year, depending on the flooding and stuff in the Delta area. But Ozarks, like I said, there's some spots in Ozarks. I've I've chased deer all the way up through January. Um some some target deer on some public land that, you know, capitalized on or didn't capitalize on different times of the year.
1: Wow, that's awesome, man. So why don't you take us through kind of, you know, a little bit had you been chasing this this buck that you shot this season prior? Or in past years and then watch them grow or was it something that you picked out in the beginning of the season
2: all right uh yeah this deer um is actually something i'm new to last year um it's been going for about 10 years now maybe a few years longer but arkansas typically we, we open our archery season statewide um around the end of september usually it's around the 25th all the way up it's been as late as october you know first second third somewhere in there Uh, and that's been going on for several years but about 10 years ago they started the urban program and and selected cities to help uh, with depredation system there's a lot of vehicle accidents and a lot of you know crops and different places just overpopulating deer and so they started that and that's opened up in a few more cities, and some of those cities are, are in areas that have some really good genetics, and so there's some high-caliber deer to, to chase after if you, you know find the right pinch points and stuff. And this, uh, this piqued my interest back in college, but I never got around to it, and last year was my first year. I sent a ton of letters out and got permission on a piece of property. It was like a six-acre lot, ended up being this lot that I killed this particular deer on, um, and a couple other spots. Last year I kind of overlooked this spot, It was as urban as urban gets. Uh, The the property was so small. There was only one tree that I could legally hang a stand on uh, due to the we got to be at least 150 feet from the center line of a county road or 150 yards from the corner of an existing building, unless you had permission from that residence or building or whatever. Um, if it was a, you know, a different, on a different piece of property, you didn't have permission for that you'd had to be 150 yards. And I think my stand's 152 yards from a warehouse and 157 yards from the corner of a house. And I'm like, maybe a hundred yards off the road. So I'm completely legal, but, I kind of overlooked this property just because it was going to be trouble even hanging a stand in there. I didn't first year. I put a camera out. I let it sit for like two weeks. I kind of got a late start last year. I had a couple really nice deer come in through the rut. Nothing that was really consistent enough being such a small property. And, and last year, early on uh, about first of October, I actually had the opportunity to chase a once in a lifetime deer and up being a, a unicorn buck. I'll have to send y'all pictures. Oh, he sure. uh, mainframe oh, 10 point and he has about a seven and a half, almost eight inch um third main beam coming out of the center of his nose and between his eyes. Um so I last year I dropped everything and chased that deer and was fortunate enough to capitalize on him uh, about mid November. But that kinda made me overlook this property that I was able to harvest this deer on this year until this year I went and pulled a camera I left all season long and it had again a couple of really nice deer so I decided to to start uh with a mineral lick. Found a watering hole in the corner of the property and it didn't take about about three weeks I had my first card pool and I had a bachelor group of six bucks in there and and three of them were really really nice and one of them happened to be this double drop time buck so definitely lucky on on that part to to wow. luck out and, and find that deer on this property on a property that I had permission for and stuff so after I found him it was then just you know piecing the puzzle together I only had six acres to to deal with but there was some Um, Corps of Engineers some public land relatively close so I was able to go over there and put some cameras out just to see if he you know his home range was that far and got some intel and was able to like I said put the pieces together figured out where I thought he was bedding uh, most of the time I had a water source which was through Onyx the closest water source didn't even show up on Onyx honestly Um, it was a natural spring coming out and it just wasn't registering on the maps but according to the maps other than the lake itself that i'm hunting near which is about a mile away um, it was the closest water source and it was just littered with tracks so i put a camera over it and i was getting them consistently and uh made a little food plot and i think my third sit which is about the fifth day of season had my first encounter came in a little too dark didn't have enough camera light and and uh by the time i was able to, to get a shot it was too dark to see my, even see through my peep sight so I had to grip my teeth and and uh, sit there for about two hours until I knew they were long and gone oh. feeding underneath me that was that was tough w- worrying the wind and thermals and everything would change knowing they were right underneath me uh, and then I think I had two more sits and decided to rest for a while give a whole week and my first sit back in there I was able to capitalize that afternoon um, just just before dusk so
1: what happened, man? Take us through that day. Like where did, where did it all start for you from, from getting in there and you, I you, had coming uh, in at a certain time? or
2: Yeah, he, he had been fairly consistent. I, I felt like I maybe pushed him uh, a little bit in that first week of season. So I gave it a full week and kind of let him come back in there on his own, and they were just starting to split up a little bit. They were coming in together at different times, you know, some minutes apart, some hours apart as far as the bachelor groups go because it, it was still pretty early. I um, mean we really don't typically they don't lose their velvet here in Arkansas until about the third week of uh September some start about the second week of September in this particular year they um most of my bucks shed their velvet the last week of August so we're two to almost three weeks a little bit earlier than anticipated so it was kind of crunch time before they split up knowing he wasn't the most uh mature deer of the six I was afraid he might push off so I I gave it a week watched the cameras and uh was able to to realize he was coming in uh, quite often in the afternoons, uh, I think I had seven or eight days. He was in there within an hour of uh, shooting light and the day before i uh I decided to sit, he was in there about forty five minutes before a uh, legal lot expired so I know I had a good chance of, of catching him had good wind um, had uh food plot was looking really good they were consistently grazing on it, and it happened to be one of the hottest days that week. So I was really hoping I could catch him coming to water, uh, which he would cross right behind me and got in there early, um, set for, you know, a couple hours, that last hour or so in early seasons, typically when you're going to see most of your movement, just cause it's so hot throughout the day. And I uh, had a couple of does, get up, stretch their legs. Uh, they came in and, uh, went down to the Creek, came back and fed in, the in the field, uh, for a while. And, uh, constantly looking to my north, which is, uh, there's, there's a road kind of to my north, more my north, uh, it'd be my Northwest catty corner there. Um, there's a road that crosses up there and they kept on looking back that way at some joggers and some different noises coming up that way. And then towards, towards the end before they left, um, it was, uh, present to me that a deer had entered the field or entered the, the open area through there. And it was a matter of time just before I got to see what deer that was. And, uh, they eased off and, it was kinda of funny. I've I've got a little food plot right there and it's fairly open. There's two trees that line up just right and I guess if a deer walked underneath the trees, it could get underneath me without seeing them. Uh but haven't hap- had that happen yet. And I was uh, you know, glassing, glassing, glassing back where they um uh, were were looking and they, they ran off the opposite direction, tails up, you know, but frisky, you could tell it was it was a deer entering the field and uh kept on looking and a solid 15 minutes went by and nothing was popping out. And so I just thought to myself, maybe, maybe someone was walking down the road or, you know, they saw something in that direction because it's only about a hundred yards and it's not super open, but they can, you know, they can catch movement up that way. And all of a sudden literally had to have been within 15 yards of the base of my tree, a deer just kind of not spooks, but like, just jumps i don't know if it's a wind shift or what it wind was blowing pretty good that afternoon uh but it darts out from underneath me and stops out there about 40 yards and i immediately knew it was a buck but i didn't even think to figure out what deer it was because i was so flabbergasted and trying to figure out how did this deer how, how long has it been here how you know how did it get underneath me without me knowing and uh fortunately after i kind of you know gathered my thoughts i, I put my eyes on him and realized immediately what deer it was. Uh, he, he had two drop tines early in the season that once he shed his velvet, he broke off one of them, but the, the larger of the two was very present, uh, on, on his left side. And so he, he started feeding back to me and I, you know, situated my camera, gathered my thoughts, kind of took a moment, calmed down, made sure, you know, everything was going to be set. And he, he moseyed on up to 21 steps and waited for a broadside shot and was able to capitalize on, on, the uh, a lot of emotions and, and sweat. And <laughs> oh yeah. Pattern and figuring out everything. And it was, uh, it was stressful, but it, it happened way earlier in the season than, uh, than I figured it would. Nothing ever goes as planned. And I, I would say it, it, you know, kind of went to uh, when it's planned for the most part,
0: man, that's awesome. So what happened after the shot? How was after your placement? The shot, what do you think?
2: After the shot? So, he was slightly quartering too. Uh, and I tried to hug the shoulder best I could. And my luminok it was in, in the latter part of the evening. So my luminok was glowing quite, you know, quite a bit. And it was hard to exactly tell. It looked like I hit him a little far back. Um, but my luminok looked good when it zipped through and he, he trotted off probably about 40, 50 yards stop behind a tree. And then, Continued on, and he didn't. It didn't sound like I hit any bone. It didn't sound like super solid, like shoulder or high or anything like that. I just zipped through him. So it worried me on the sound a little bit, but in my mind, my shot plates looked good through uh, following my luminok. And then I gave it probably about forty-five minutes before I climbed down, just because he stopped in the field and I didn't want to, you know, take the chance that he was still close to the edge or anything. So I waited till it was plenty dark. Got down. Arrow was coated. Um, end up shooting a, a different broadhead. My first time shooting deer with a deer, the fixed blade, I've killed dozens with mechanicals, never shot a fixed blade. And, uh, I shot a, uh, G5 Montec. nothing against them. It's just not an entry and exit hole that I'm used to uh, right. a little bit, a <laughs> little bit smaller, um, hole. So it takes a little bit longer, you know, to start picking up bleeding, um, uh, tracked for about 20 to 30 yards, found blood, immediately got out of there, called my buddy, and uh, we gave it plenty of time. I think we ended up giving it about three hours, just because I wasn't a hundred percent on the shot placement, knowing he was slightly quartering two, and I hit a little further back than I was aiming for. Um, end up being liver, uh, liver, in, or high lung on uh, entry side, and just absolutely tore through his liver on the backside. But uh, the the blood was just not there. I hit him, hit him high, um, and he plugged up after about. 75 yards or so had good blood from there plugged up after about 75 yards and just completely sealed up there was just drops here and there we trailed in for about 150 yards so inside to back out because we didn't have the light and we could tell he was only bleeding on entry side um there was a couple spots in, in a muddy bank that he he dug in and there was you know solid blood on the left side but nothing coming out the exit um so it was very present that he was he was clogged and we didn't want to chance pushing him so we gave it to the next morning Ended up calling a dog just just in case and uh dog got on the track right away end up going all the way to a road cross the road and we as as crossed the road the dog lost scent i'm not sure if it was you know because we were on the back side of a neighborhood or what there's some other dogs barking but um it completely lost scent and lost trail and so we uh we backed out let the gentleman with the dog leave didn't want to you know hurt his feelings he was pretty confident at the time that the the deer would make it judging off the amount of blood but i knew where my shot placement was so i knew it was a fatal shot and we ended up grid searching another 75 yards we lost blood and it didn't take about 10 minutes with three buddies to get back on the trail and walk right up on him wow, so it was awesome. a bit nerve-wracking you know yeah. in between long <laughs> yeah. night long night but i was confident you know with daylight we'd find more blood and then it didn't get really nervous until we were, got on the track with the dog and the deer never opened up. But we never did find a bed. He he died. He was dead while we were tracking him the night before. I mean, he was stiff as a board. He filled up. Um, he ran about 200 yards total. Um, talking to some buddies of mine that, that have shot Montex and shot some other fixed blades. You know, that typical that they run a little bit further if they're not bleeding out of, you know, entry and exit. They can, they can close up and, and recirculate and stuff. So Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, had, really,
2: I've
1: had a, it's really it's really cool that the persistence really paid off on that one. It, and it shows that, you know, people should definitely stay on them no matter what and keep going back and staying on them. I think that's been kind of like the theme for us lately, honestly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's real easy to just write it off and say, well, we think right. the deer lived and walk yeah. away and go hunt another deer.
2: Yeah, judge. I mean, most people judging off the, I feel like, Obviously, if they'd have saw what I saw, it'd be a different opinion. But, but you know, the three buddies I had there, the dog handler, if I'd have had a dozen more buddies come out, just judging off of the blood alone after he sealed up, it you would, it, it would make you wonder that, you know, maybe it wasn't necessarily a fatal shot. Maybe it was higher than anticipated in what they call that, you know, that, yeah, no, that... no man's land or Your... whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I believe in, in that or not. You know, that's I, I, I've seen witness, you know, deer surviving off of one punctured lung. I think
0: that's what I was it's, fixing it's, to get at is that no yeah. man's land actually tends to be a one lung shot, not yeah, a, yeah. not a clean, you didn't hit anything. And yeah. Yeah. And
2: that could be, you know, broadhead malfunction, funny angle, uh, just, you know, people need to take consideration too. You know, I, you can tell when a deer exhales, you know, those lungs sit lower. So you've got a huge void there that you could potentially miss if you're not careful too. you know, just by pure, bad luck and pure chance it's always always better to hit them low than it is to hit them high in my yeah, opinion
1: <laughs> absolutely valid point point. and do you think that ur- the urban part kind of was uh, a factor in the tracking and stuff like that to not push the deer somewhere it wasn't supposed to go or
2: yes uh one of the things that was a, a major factor and i i just got lucky with i didn't have to pursue in any other way but the the deer um, covered majority of the property I'd already had permission for and covered uh, a piece of property I'd access through and end up dying on a piece of core land. So I did not have to reach out to any um, landowners to pursue uh, games. We do, we don't have a, um, I guess, I'm not sure what it's called, pursue of game law or something like that. You mm-hmm. do have to reach out and get uh, permission before going on to someone else's property. So right. um, I got lucky there um, not having to, you know, jump through any extra hoops or anything. Um, But the, the, I mostly um, I'd say what was a big factor as far as urban goes is just, I was able to access, got away with extra noise and stuff. And and it was a major pinch point because I was between, you know, some warehouses and some, some neighborhoods and stuff. So I had natural funnel and, you know, actual hard borders where they're just not going to walk through or walk, you know, on the edge of a neighborhood Mm -hmm. or through a parking lot.
1: And do you think that scent plays a good factor also in, in the urban hunting where you don't have to worry about it as much like winds and stuff or
2: definitely need to worry about wind, but I I think it it buys you that extra hesitation before they bust or that Mm -hmm. extra, extra bit, you know, they might think, um, you know, you're a little bit further than you are just because they're, they're so used to human scent and, you know, vehicles and different things. Um, that particular property I was hunting, um, I had two winds that if I hunted in those winds, even though they were not necessarily wrong or perfect, they were more of cross winds. Um, I think some swirls and stuff, I would have definitely gotten away with, um, some shifts in the wind and stuff, just because there was heavy scent coming from, um, like I said, warehouse or, um, the, the neighborhood, the closest neighborhood, just, I mean, you're talking to roughly 100 150 yards um, from the edge of neighborhood into houses and stuff so someone was barbecuing i could hear them talking and i could smell what they were cooking i could tell if it was a they had brisket on the grill or if they were smoking a pork shoulder (laughs) nice (laughs) which is kind of crazy you know it's still deer at the end of the day so you you still got to play your wind and play your thermals there were certain days that i went in there early on and thought i could get away with some stuff and there's no doubt that the reason why i didn't um get a visual or or you know have an opportunity was because i was in there on on the wrong winds or i had settling thermals uh so that's why i gave it a week after i felt like i had i had pressured him a bit and i waited Mm -hmm. uh waited for the the first good north wind northeast wind and that was uh that was what i killed him on and i had two northeast winds out of the five or six sits and both i had encounters one was the, the night that he he came underneath me and I was, you know, ran out of daylight. And then the second time was the time I capitalized on him. Wow. Did you end up taping him? I did. I did. So the deer has incredible mass. He has short beams and short tines. That's the only thing that hurts him. He, uh, without the broken off, um, drop time, he would have been in the mid one forties, but with it broken off, he finished at one thirty eight and an eighth. Wow.
1: That's awesome. a killer deer though. Great oh, game. yeah.
2: He's, he's got wicked character. He's just got short, yeah. short tines. His longest time is the, the, the main drop time, and it's like right at seven and a half, seven and three quarters. So his G2s, G3s, G4s on both sides are all right at six inches long, but well, they're only six inches cool. long.
0: Yeah, yeah. But at the but end, he of had day, really, man, really good character. mass. He had,
2: oh, yeah. He had, he had <clears throat> excuse me, he had two mass measurements. One was uh, seven and a half, and the other one was right at, I think, eight. Where he had some some palmation in some different spots.
1: That's cool as hell. He has that little flyer <laughs> off the top, like by his like his brow tine on the main beam. I thought, yeah. or is that with the other drop tine, or was no? It, no, no he's that's... got so he's
2: got two two kickers uh, just off the eye guard uh, in between the, the eye guard and the G one. He's got two kickers there at the base, and then right up, he's got a flyer. That's like an inch long at the very tip of his G2. But he had another flyer, flyer drop, I'm not sure what you call it. Mm-hmm. It's right there, kind of closer to the base of the G2. And that one was about five and a half, six inches long, but it, it broke off.
1: Is that is that what kind of like st- struck your interest with him is because he was so oh, unique?
2: Definitely, definitely. Yeah, perfect conditions you know that deer could have been way 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 bigger down the road he, he was uh he was a very young deer you could tell just by looking at his body but in in the the light of things he was you know crossing busy roads and uh i had got word that there was a couple other urban hunters in the area that uh, were getting pictures of him and, and on him hard and he was just so unique i being in arkansas I've, I've never had the opportunity to chase a drop time rather less you know to a double drop time so i mm-hmm. i focused everything on him if it was going to take me until january 1st that's that's the only deer I. <laughs> that was to the island. deer right yeah <laughs> well yeah. good thing that you
1: knocked him down and then you weren't haunting a ghost if somebody else shot him oh, or whatever yeah, was, you know like that's a that was that's the a tough worry, thing.
2: the worry of, of hunting a ghost or, or the worry of you know those those drop times is he gonna you know suck them back in and even have them next year. Is he going to throw, right. you know, just some kickers or throw it off his main beam and it, it go up, you know. Just those drop times are kind of kind of rare. Or heaven and, forbid uh,
1: he, he, got, he got into it with another buck later down the road and broke both of them off, and then he oh, finally yeah. comes in later on in the season and you know, he yeah. got them. That,
2: that would have just... been very hard. I'm not sure what i mm-hmm. had done, you know, later in the season with those circumstances, you know, chance he might make it the rest of the season. <laughs> and both, both were, were missing.
1: It's, it was an incredible deer, man. Congratulations on him. He's an absolute stud. Unique. Thank, when I saw it, when I saw it um, on Facebook, I was like, "Oh man, we got to talk to Seth because that's a cool deer." He yeah, he's got a lot crazy, of
2: character. Crazy character. He got stuff stuff going everywhere with with the typical frame and.
0: Right. I mean, and and, and
2: I killed him in an area not really known for you know what I would consider known for, you know, really, really nice deer. Most of the deer there, Mm -hmm. you get some 140s and 50s, but they're straight typical. They're really old deer. That one there just, out of all of them, just stood out by far. Not sure what he got into, but I hope more deer get into it. (laughs) Well, I I was going to say
0: for an Illinois deer, because, you know, there aren't any big deer down where you are, and we're not going to spread that message. (laughs) So for for that deer in that area, that's pretty amazing.
2: Oh yeah, most definitely, man. I very, very fortunate, very blessed,
0: really can't say enough. Congratulations a hundred times over. Cause that is an incredible situation and I'm hoping we both draw on that luck this year over here because we're <laughs> in a similar situation. So thank you for joining us, Seth, man. It's been wonderful. And I love the story. It's an incredible deer and everyone. I just really want to say thanks for listening along and stay tuned for the next tells from the tailgate.